Hey everyone, it's Johanna with Promo Kitchen and I'm with my vice chair, Kate Plummer. What's up, Kate? Today we have a special guest, Brian Gale from Thumbprint. And a lot of you might recognize that name. He recently spoke at SKUCon with Common Skew right before PPI Vegas. And so I had the pleasure of knowing him for a few months. I also met him at SKU Camp in Pittsburgh. Lots of SKUs in that first paragraph. But yeah, Brian gave a great talk at SKUCon, so we thought it'd be fun to have him on the Promo Kitchen podcast today. So Brian, welcome and thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Thumbprint and tell us the story of your company and where you are and how you started. Yeah, absolutely. Last year, we celebrated our 25th year in, in business. So 25 years ago, my father, his background was in the print industry and he worked for a company and one day he just realized that these companies he was working for weren't treating clients the way he believed in treating clients and just decided, you know what? Came home and told my mother who had, uh, I think, two kids and pregnant with the third, hey, I'm quitting this great job and I'm starting another company and she thought he was crazy and he went off and started, it was really actually print manufacturing. So we had presses and started off on the print side, a lot of back then it was you know, like forms and stationery and business cards. And after a few years of dealing with manufacturing, he just decided, you know what, I'm done with manufacturing and sold off the equipment. And for a number of years, we were strictly a print distributor. And then I got involved in the business going on 20 years ago. So I was in high school and sweeping warehouse floors and handling inventory and then, you know, handling deliveries and kind of just slowly made my way up through CSR roles and building websites and so forth. And long story short, over time, the internet came out and we got on a software called 451 and started toying with storefronts, knowing that that was probably going to be the way of the future. And one thing led to another. And as you know, next thing you know, you're in apparel and you're in promotional products. And here we are, you know, 25 years later and really feel like a 25-year-old startup to some degree. Mm -hmm. So we, we rebranded and we've kind of gone from performance press to performance business solutions to thumbprint. And I have no clue where we're going next, but it's a lot of fun. You started when you were in high school, and did you always have yeah. sort of tech background, even in high school? Sounds like you really jumped in. Oh with that. no, no, I just, I just love people, so I always knew I'd do something in sales. Unfortunately, I was about eight inches too short for the MBA, so those dreams got cut short. But no, it was just always people. I just knew I always wanted to deal with people. You know, I think everyone that gets involved in the family business, I think you kind of get to this point where you're like, okay, I want to go off and do something on my own. You know, you bump into people and they're like, oh, you still work for your dad's company kind of thing. So I think I probably had that itch. But that's when I realized, I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to learn how to build our storefronts and I'm going to learn how to do some of these things that I think would give me the opportunity to kind of take something, you know, we had my father built and kind of take it to another level. Yeah, I'm part of a family business as well. And I think I started oh, okay. a lot younger than you did. So we'll not talk about yeah. child labor laws, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it is one of those where you're just like, you're free this summer. So guess where you're working? And, but like yeah. coming in, when you first started with Thumbprint, like how did you sort of find that transition from being, he's our summer labor boy to, okay, you're an employee now. Like how did you manage that transition point? That's a good question. I mean, my dad's always been my best friend. I liked being around him. You know, I just loved being in the business. I would see him around people and being someone that really enjoys people. I would see the way he was impacting people. I'd see his interactions with people. And I was like, man, like, this is fun, you know? And I think so even at an early age to me, you know, people are like, oh man, I can't believe you're in print. 
I've never felt like I was in print. You know, I've always felt like I was just in this, you know, this relationship business. It was one of those things where I literally just needed basically fraternity beer money and was working in the warehouse and sweeping floors. You know, then I started getting out and being more client facing and it was just doing deliveries, but it was crazy. I enjoyed getting out to different companies, offices, and I would always say, hey, I need you to deliver this to a specific person, a specific office. And I find myself walking through all these different offices and seeing process and people and departments. And I'd ask a lot of questions. It was funny, you know, I, I could tell that even just delivering product to someone, you could create these really cool experiences. And even as a delivery guy, I had really great relationships within these accounts and kind of had my finger on the pulse of things that they were working on. And I'd try and bring those back and share these stories with the sales reps and the people that were actually, you know, moving the needle from a revenue standpoint. Nice. I find with family business, it's amazing because they're so supportive mm-hmm. of everything that you do. While at the same time, yeah. I always feel like, I think it took me a couple of years until I moved from being like, oh, I'm making changes here to instead of like, I'm the boss's kid. Uh, so when you mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, <laughs> you have to mm-hmm. work harder, stay later. <laughs> Look, I should have been fired multiple times, Kate. Like, yeah, my dad <laughs> oh, was, I yeah, was. I definitely, <laughs> I was on the chopping block. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, you know, I was showing up in ripped jeans and flip flops, and my dad's like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. You know, so. I am not working for my parents' company. Oh, don't worry. Your girl, hey. you'll absorb them into your point at some point, yeah, and then you just it, send them to happen. us. Well, you know, Kate, what you realize, like you said, all eyes are on you, right? So you have to be the first to arrive, you have to be the last to leave. There is that stigma, you know what I mean? But for me, it was just getting to a place where it's like, okay, let's just embrace this. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I have all these resources to be successful. The only person that's going to stand in my way is myself. Yeah. And then you start to sort of want to see results from your work as well to kind of justify what you're doing there. Oh, I know. Although I will tell you, I was fired twice. My mom was like, you're fired. This isn't going to work out. And I was like, I'm really busy. Are you serious? I'll come back. (laughs) Yeah. 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 She fired me. Yeah. Yeah. We can probably do a whole podcast series of fun stories about working with your family. I oh, love it. Not. Trust me. I, we, we got some, Kate. We can follow up after this call. We could probably write a coffee table book and make a lot of people feel better about that. <laughs> <situation, so. laughs> you know, you, as a parent, you kind of always wonder, like, am I screwing up my kids somehow? And, and I know. You know. Look, I can remember the one time my dad was like, listen, he called me and I wasn't in. I was supposed to be in. And it's a long story short, or a long story why I wasn't in the office when I was supposed to be. But he basically just called me and was like, don't come in today. And I'll talk to you tonight and I'll let you know if you're welcome back tomorrow. And like, I can remember, like right in this moment, I can remember where I was, you know, I can remember everything about that moment. And that was kind of the moment of like, oh my God, like I disappointed him. And then you realize, okay, it's go time. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I got to change this. That was a long time ago, but you know, that sticks with you and you just approach things differently. And it's, it's an awesome ride. I mean, it's a lot of fun. And you know, like you said, you still always have not a radar on you, but you have a lot of people watching you and, you know, and they want to see what you can get away with. And what you realize is you just can't give them anything. You know, you can't, there's nothing to get away with. You just got to work harder than everybody else. Once you embrace that, I think people in family businesses, and that's when they start to find success. Yeah. And they're really fun that way too, in that you have a lot of support. Your parents aren't waiting for you to prove yourself. They know exactly what you're capable of. They're just disappointed mm-hmm. when you're not exactly where they're like, I have a smarter kid than you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and you can sure. imagine if that was your moment right now with your son, he'd say, Alexa, 
how do I get myself out of this mess? Um, yeah, yeah. And then dad just goes, you win. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm glad you guys enjoyed that story. It really hit me like when they were talking about the Jetsons there. I was just like, man, you yeah. know what? Like, you just start realizing how brilliant these kids are and you just don't give them enough credit. And I think that as a parent, I realized pretty quickly talking to them like they're adults, you know, just talking to them like I would you and I on this podcast and see what he's capable of contributing and soaking in and how he comes back out. That was a pretty fun moment. I still remember that and think about it all the time. Yeah. It's interesting how much people have adapted. Working with sort of older, younger staff here is like how quickly people bring in tech for what they use and how much faster the adoption rate can be sometimes. And even working with some teams, I'm like, why can't you just use this platform? It's supposed to be intuitive. And um, say Kate, say Slack. <laughs> just join Slack. Slack? Just, just write on the Slack. Wait, who doesn't understand Slack? Wait, time out. Does someone not understand Slack? Is that what I just heard? Brian, no. we're going to have to have a call after this. And we, I, we had some oh resistance, but we're good. We're good. Kate, I'm on it. Kate, I'm using it. Yeah. Delete AOL Instant Messenger and download <laughs> Slack, okay? You'll thank us. She's still trying to message me on MySpace, so I don't have the heart yeah. to tell her what's happened with that one. I'm still waiting <laughs> yeah. for a reply. Yeah, tell Tom I said hello. Are we still friends? Is Tom still my friend? Is that his name, Tom? Is that him? I think so. I don't know. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so quickly, you just mentioned a little bit about the rebrand and how I love how you call your 25-year-old company a startup. So that's really fun for me because I think we should all feel like this is day one especially in an yeah. industry, you really do learn so much every day. But tell us about your rebrand. I think a lot of people, again, at SKUCon were sort of in awe of the cool crew wearing cool white jackets with flex patches on them and this cool logo. So tell us about your rebrand and what motivated that change for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We rebranded about five years ago to the name Thumbprint. And we didn't plan to, but we had been performance business solutions and everybody had solutions in their name and business in their name. And we had kind of pulled back the curtains on it with a client of a big RP and they forced us to change our name to the name that we kind of teased them with. And we had like 11 days to do it. So luckily, five years ago, we had rebranded to this name and kind of gone through a rebrand. It was super painful to do it in less than two weeks, but it kind of showed us what you're capable of, you know? And it also showed us how a rebrand and how a name and how a brand really, like how it, the impact it had on our clients, it was insane. So over the last year, I think the biggest thing for us is as we continued to really open doors, utilizing technology, the brand just didn't fit us anymore. I mean, really our thumbprint branding before, you know, I think it fit us as a promotional products distributor. It did the trick. We were growing. It resonated with people that were looking to buy stuff from us. It didn't resonate with clients who were looking to integrate us as a partner within their workflows, right? Within their software, within their ecosystem, right? So we were someone they would call. We weren't someone that they were plugging into, so to speak. So as we were looking to integrate with clients, we just needed to create a brand that spoke to technology. If someone goes to our website and they call me and they're like, hey, dude, are you a software company? I'm okay with that. Like I embrace that question. If they call me and say, hey, are you a, an apparel provider? Are you a, you know, a direct mail company? Are you a promotional product supplier? Like, I'm fine with all those things. So what I didn't want to do is I didn't want them to think they knew who I was and also think they knew who I wasn't. So the purpose of the rebrand was, you know, the main thing we keep telling our clients when we had a meeting yesterday, and they're like, well, who the hell are you? Is what someone asked me in Miami yesterday. I was like, we really are whoever you need us to be. 
So let's start talking about your question. You know, what questions do you have? What challenges do you have? And it really just turned into, we found out their whole issue is employee retention. And as you know, John, we're going to tie product to all of that. But I, I just had to get to the root of what their challenge was. And what I found was nobody's challenge in this world is product, as you know. So we just needed a brand that really gave our clients and prospects and partners the confidence in us to really tell us what they were struggling with. So you kind of widened your boundaries that way. In doing a rebrand in that way and changing your messaging, a lot of people can Mm -hmm. just, you can rebrand easily, like change your name, blah, blah, blah. What would be your advice to other people who are looking to reposition themselves or reopen them up or even like your client? Like what were the top points that you gave them on their own rebrand that you were like, this is a pitfall we had. This is a success that we have. What did you come out of that with? I think one of the biggest things from our rebrand is we just had a meeting with one of our largest clients, which is a major retail brand. Typically, I would reveal the name, but I can't, unfortunately. But they saw us go through our rebrand and we got a phone call and they said, oh my God, you guys finally look like the company we think you are. I was like, okay, tell me more. And they're like, when projects come up over here, we always think, oh, well, Thumbprint could do that. Thumbprint could do this. And we know what you guys are capable of. But if I were to share your information with team members in here and they would go to your website, they'd be like, I don't think these guys can do this. They're like, you finally created a brand that represents how we see you. And what happened was they shared this with the head of their brand team. They're like, we think this is the company that needs to help us with our rebrand. So because of our rebrand and I guess the success of it, now we're actually being trusted by our clients to support those major efforts within their organizations. So I think that was to me like the biggest compliment. It was like, wow, like, okay, you guys are looking at our rebrand. It resonates with you. It makes sense. And not only does it resonate, make sense, but it's built confidence that, hey, we can support you. You know, and this company is $4 billion and, you know, we're 15 million, you know? So to be able to create something that instills that type of confidence, I think to me was like, that was rewarding. Like that was it. That's why I was like, all right, we did a good job. Like it's a living, breathing thing. It's never over. We got a lot more work to do, but at least I know we're on the right track. Yeah. It sounds like you walk the walk and then talk the talk. You sort of like have the confidence and then prove yourself. I love that. A little bit. Yeah. Like, I mean, the key is, and you know this too, like, right. Like first you have to create the culture. You have to create the culture. You have to create the belief amongst your employees and then you create the brand around it. But, you know, there's going to be some people that may or may not fit into that. Luckily for us, we had gotten the team to where it needed to be. And everybody that we had here really embodied the brand that we were creating. I think sometimes we get so worried about, oh, my gosh, but this is what our clients see us as. And this is how they know us. Sometimes we just think that our clients, that they're so attached to our current logo, our current branding, our current messaging, our current website, this current vendor, like whoever they are. And like, they're really not that attached, guys. Like they're... They care about their brand way more than they care about your brand. So don't be afraid to do something different. Don't be afraid to have to go sit down with your clients and explain to them why you did this. Like, to me, I'm excited about that. I wish all my clients would go, Brian, please call me in and tell me why the hell you did this. You know, like that would be the the best case scenario. So I guess just embrace it and use it as a springboard, right? To have conversations with your clients. It's great as well how you guys got playful with your brand too. Like, you know, your previous name is Solutions. It's very straightforward, a very traditional name and sort of playing with it that way. Mm -hmm. is like, 
you know, if you're the ones who are going to go into a company and say, here's how you do a rebrand and you haven't looked at yourself and figured out like, mm-hmm. you know, how am I representing my brand? It's great that you went in and yeah. what was your favorite part of rebranding? Was it choosing swag? Was it the communication of it? Was mm-hmm. it, <laughs> what did you yeah, enjoy it at question. all? That's a good question. I didn't enjoy any of it. It was stressful as hell. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's so stressful. Uh, we did it too. It is. You, you know, it's crazy and you're going to be going through this. I mean, I just love the whole thing. I have ideas and, and I'm passionate about it. You know, I'm not a creative director. Like, I don't know how to implement everything. I don't know how to roll it out. But I really enjoyed just kind of starting with a blank canvas and then just figuring out. I love the idea of like, who do we want to be when we grow up? You know what I mean? And I love the logos. I love handling the logo. The logo was a lot of fun. The website's been fun. I learned a lot because I didn't know really a whole lot about websites and how much went into it. I'm horrible with content. So it was really fun going through that process. And I just enjoyed being surrounded by people that were the experts, right, in their lane and seeing how they were able to piece together who Thumper was. You know, bringing in an agency that knew nothing about our industry. And it was crazy. Like, you know, literally, like we sent him all these websites that we loved. And when he came back, and was like, Brian, I don't like any of these. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, these are the best people in the industry. It was like, just to kind of take a step back, right? And just sit back and watch someone evaluate the industry and clients in general and where businesses are going and just really kind of pitch us on, hey, guys, have you ever thought about being this? How afraid are you to pivot and kind of go this direction? Well, maybe a lot of people are going this direction. I think that was my favorite part. So it wasn't like a logo or a website. It was more so about choosing a lane, right? And trying to choose a lane in a direction that maybe not everyone was going. And then I love sharing that. Like, I'm not someone that's like, I, I'm not this chef with this secret sauce and I don't want anyone to have my recipe. So like, I just love sharing what we're doing and learning from people. So I think the fact that I've been able to have really cool conversations with people that are going through this or have gone through this or thinking about going through this, I think that's been the most exciting piece for me is it's just opened up a lot of dialogue from a lot of people that I have a great deal of respect for. So we also, as I mentioned, went through a rebrand probably around the same time. I always say I like to take credit for it, but it had nothing to do with it. I know it was a process and then onboarding all of us and teaching us the do's and don'ts of it was a really big deal. Obviously, we wanted everyone to be on the same page. But I will say from the experience and sort of being behind the scenes through it, it really helped me in educating and talking our clients through rebrands, which I know you guys feel, Kate, maybe not you, but as a distributor, a rebrand for us with our clients is such a big deal and such a great opportunity. And we can really have those conversations with our clients and not just say, we know this is a big deal. We know it's super sensitive for your brand. We'll help you. We'll be there along the way. We can say, we lived it. Here's what we did that worked. Here's what we did that worked. And so clients are like, oh, you guys rebranded. That's great. Tell me what, you know, this. And it really has been helpful just because a lot of times, as you both know, something that translates on print or web isn't the same as it translates on product, whether it's because of a gradient or full color process or certain PMS colors. So being able to have those conversations with our clients as an experienced person that lived it is so helpful. Isn't it cool when you can tell them like, listen, I've been on that road. Like, I feel your pain. Like, I know this is not easy. And I know this is going to be a lot of work. And I just did it, you know? So I think you create that bond, right? Then it establishes that trust we were talking about earlier. Yeah, exactly. And again, like little tips, like not only is it a big deal for you and the marketing people and the agency that helped you do this, but also think about your employees and how it's affecting them and how you're going to want to educate them, whether it's through 
some sort of kit or a rebrand kit or whatever it might be. So yeah, all those little tips and tricks are so fun to share. Yeah, and then also- yeah, I'm learning stuff from you right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but you also want to think about, okay, you've rebranded, but why have you rebranded? Especially passing it down to employees instead of being like, here's our new logo. You're changing your message. So how do you pass the culture on down, like with your rebrand and sort of make sure that the message is consistent and accepted by everyone? Correct. When I think being more transparent, right? I think that's what all employees want. I read so many articles about people that just like, oh no, I'm never going to let my employees know what our GP looks like, what our revenue looks like, what our costs are as a company. I'm just like, guys, like, I don't know. Like you can't create culture with distrust. I think for us, the biggest thing is, okay, with this rebrand, there's going to be a lot more transparency. If we're going to talk about technology that we're providing to clients, then we got to provide better technology, better dashboards, better reporting better analytics for our own team. You know, being CXO, I'm always thinking about clients. And I think any of us that are good at our jobs, it's because we're thinking about our clients. But you can't be so focused on the client that you forget that you've got to provide those same tools and resources for your employees and your team members. They just want to know what's going on. So giving them a new jacket with a new logo on it's cool. Give them a new Tumblr, give them a new phone charge. Oh, that's cool. But really like, okay, well, what's really changed though? So I think for us, one of the biggest things that we've been working on is that transparency, that messaging, letting them know, you know, putting up TVs and what we call, they call it, the, <laughs> they're calling it the bread box is what all of our client engagement team is calling it now because they want to make that bread every day, they say, so <laughs> the bread box. But so, but putting up TVs in there where they can see real data of how many orders are being processed and how the month's numbers look like, they want a scorecard too, you know, they want to know where are we. So I think that was a big thing for us with this rebrand internally was, hey, guys, you know, all these amazing tools that we're building for clients, just so you know, we're also building them for you. And we want you to have the same insight into what's happening in the company as even leadership. You know, like we want you to know where we're going. We want you to know what success looks like for us as a company. And we want you to be able to gauge the role that you're playing in that overall success. Awesome. Again, going back to SKUCon, because I really enjoyed that presentation. You talked a oh, lot about not necessarily selling product, but selling solutions. Yes, we've overused the word solutions during this podcast, but (laughs) I've been doing this for over 14 years. I took away so much from that. I know my colleagues get sick of hearing me talk. I get sick of hearing me talk too. But I kept on telling them about Mm -hmm. this presentation you gave where you had done some research before going into the client and you came in and said, you don't need me to show you another pen or cup or pet folio or whatever it was. You need me to talk to you about why everyone's ordering from 15 different places and the purple is off in the logo every time. And talk to us about why you're more solution-based, not product-based. I think probably it started with just the fact that just like the two of you, like you've been in the industry a while, you've kind of seen everything. Some of it was probably my own personal preference of like, gosh, I'm just tired of walking in places with the same product or I'm tired of the pressure of trying to figure out you know, what can I put in front of someone that they don't already have? You know, I mean, I just think that in the sales world, that's always the biggest challenge. You're always trying to think of a custom, you know, I just don't like being limited. I don't like fishing out the same pond as everyone else. Right. So I have more fun solving problems. Like I just want people to tell me the stuff that they can't seem to figure out. And then I want to come back and figure out how we can solve that problem for them. So we just started realizing at some point, like, and it's nothing crazy, like we're not doing anything, I don't believe that everyone else could be doing other than just the mindset of, okay, like, we're just not going to walk in with product. And just by doing that, you're already different. You know, just by doing that, you're already different. So that was our biggest thing is like, how do we create memorable experiences? 
and you know, and talking about that one client, I mean, it, you ask them today, they're like, we still laugh about two dudes in a MacBook. And it was like something we just threw off the cuff. It was nothing we thought about. They thought it was hilarious that we literally showed up to a promo RP with zero promo. And it just showed us like, okay, now we can talk. Now we can sit across from each other. We can look each other in the eyes. We're not going to sit here and be squeezing stress balls. Guess what? They all feel the same. I don't have better stress balls than the guy on the street. So let's just sit here, look at each other, have real conversations, open dialogue, and then let's walk out of here and give me things that I need to go tackle for you. And, you know, we love asking people like in a perfect world, how would this process work? Forget about what we do. Don't even think about why I'm sitting across from you right now or what products you think I sell or what services you think I can provide. Only thing I want to know is literally like, what is it that keeps you up at night? What is it that's preventing you from doing your job? Or what is it that prevents you from doing your job as successfully or as efficiently as you want? And then let's go start there. Ultimately, I'm still mostly talking to people in marketing and operations and HR. So a lot of this stuff is still going to spill over into all the stuff. Like I said, we're selling. It's just getting right past the product, which is what I want to do. The catalog now is irrelevant. The brand of the yeah. product is irrelevant. The price is irrelevant. Set up charges, irrelevant. Like none of that matters. Like then once you get that, then they're like, okay, Brian, then what products would work with this? No one then can go in and take that client from me or, or pitch a better mousetrap at that point. To me, it's just more fun. And these are things that they're going to go brag about. No one's going to go brag about the full wrap I did on a Tumblr for them. They're going to go brag to their bosses and leadership or on their next supply chain call about how this problem they've had for four years. Well, guess what? We just found the person that can solve it. That to me is how we're going to be able to move the needle as a company, but also for our clients. And also for our industry. I think if more people sort of had that attitude, we'd all be in a better place. I find the same approach is really helpful. And not only is it fun for you, it's challenging, right? Because it makes you think a little bit more about how to solve that client's needs. Are you ever put in a position where someone says, there's too many emails. I'm getting too many emails about proofs, about pricing, about quotes. What are your solutions when someone says something to you that you can't really get around? You need the emails or whatever the problem is. How do you get around something you can't immediately fix? Good question. I'm trying to think if I've had a scenario like that that stands out to me. I don't think we necessarily had one that was quite like that where it wasn't fixable. I think a lot of times what we find is that you may leave and you come back with a lot more questions. Like we may leave one conversation and it sounds like, man, I just don't even know how the heck we're going to do this. But we've given them enough information about what we've done for other clients. And then it tends to be that the second conversation, they come back and like, okay, so we were thinking about what you did for Hilton or Sandals or any of these guys. Right? And you know what? Actually, we think that may work for us. Our old tagline of Thumbprint used to be common problems, unique solutions. And I think that rings true. Most of the clients we're talking to they're all industry agnostic problems for the most part. And most of them are super, super common. There's some complexities and some unique identifiers to each one. But for the most part, there aren't too many that we haven't been able to solve or at least come to a middle ground, right? There's always a middle ground. Are we going to get really, really close and probably get to something that they still didn't think was possible? Yes. At the end of the day, don't pay as much attention to how they're telling you the process should work. Just get to what the final outcome needs to be and then go show them what's possible. I think that's probably the best answer I could give you. I'm going to take your advice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to take your advice. Yeah. You know, as long as you say it with confidence, you're good. 
Exactly. That is true. It's not the outfit, it's the hanger, Kate. It's not the outfit, it's the hanger, okay? (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. Perfect. You kind of touched on this of you kind of go in and you change the conversation from what swag they want to what problem they're facing and how you fix that problem. Do you find that you go in a lot of times when people have a clearly defined problem for them? Or is it like how much do you have to guide the conversation to move from, yeah, we want t-shirts, we want stress balls, to we need to boost employee engagement within the company? Would you say it's 50-50? Like where do you find the break and how do you start that conversation to be like, what do you actually want? I went and met with someone Monday. I got a call because they're having some issues getting some patches for some security guards for these jackets for all their hospitals. And because they come from China with the coronavirus and Chinese New Year, saw the holdup. So we went and met with them and I said, hey, can I come see you real quick? And I took her rubber patches that could be embroidered and they could be done domestically. So she called, you know, again, she's calling about a specific problem. It's an apparel problem. You know, it's a thousand patches or something. This person's never dealt with us before. Um, she literally called me because she said, hey, I have an issue. And they're like, oh, some friend has embroidery. Call them. Maybe they have a solution. So then I saw her title, which is culture integration. And I was like, look, that's a cool title. Tell me about it. What's it mean? So she started talking about it. And I started talking, I was like, so, you know, like in this economy, right? Like all the good people have jobs, right? So, you know, what's happening to you guys? Are Cleveland Clinic and Mayo or all these big health systems, are they just plucking your talent? I'm assuming they're just coming after your best employees, right? Because I work for a family business and recruiters still reach out to me. So clearly they don't do their homework well because they, they're not leaving. So I'm sure they're coming after your best employees if they actually want to talk to me. And she started laughing. She said, oh, absolutely. And I was like, so what are you guys doing for employee retention? Like your culture integration, what are you doing to embed this culture within your employees? And then to build this type of, this type of program where they feel welcome and they want to stay here. And it's not about a thousand dollar raise or an extra two days off a year. Right. And she was like, oh my God, you have no idea. We're not doing it. We're talking about it in HR. We're trying to figure something out. And I literally just kind of pitched to her an app that we're building for a big trucking company. And next thing you know, she's like, wait, they're doing that in trucking? And I'm like, yeah. I said, like, why the hell are we not doing this in healthcare? And I'm like, exactly. You know, so then it just turned and said, well, you know, could I sign an NDA? Can I see the deck? Can you talk through it with me? So it doesn't take a whole lot of prep. To me, it's finding three or four things that you find are common across like all industries that you feel like really all companies can relate to. And I literally just kind of just toss it out there like, hey, real quick before I leave, like, are you guys doing anything to address this? And most times people, even the largest companies with all the resources in the world to do these things, they know they have to do it, but still all their focus is on their client. Even the largest companies in the world, most of them are still doing a really poor job of creating what they really need to create for their own employees, which is what we found. That's the low hanging fruit. So I think every company wants to keep their best talent. Every company would want to avoid turnover. So anytime you can tap into that, I think someone's going to be willing to talk to you. You know, and a lot of times I'll be honest with you, I do not know the answers ahead of time. I'm just asking questions and I'm going, okay, it's in a perfect world. Like if we could do this or if somehow this happened and you just, you know, you know, Johnny, you just watch their eyes. Like you watch their face light up and you read into, okay, that's what matters to this person. For sure. Well, I do want to say that I'm a people person as well. I can tell you are as well. And I love when you started talking about your dad, how you said, even when you were little, you sort of looked at him and the way that he interacted with people. It's the word for that is magnetic and sounds like you have a magnetic dad. And I know you have a magnetic personality because when I first met you at SKU <laughs> Camp, I always uh, have to think about yep. the SKU Camp or SKU Con. Yep. I could tell that you had a really good energy to you and I love that. And your team does as well. So that's something you're clearly teaching 
and showing everyone else. Mm -hmm. I have to say for yeah. everyone, if you have not seen it yet, a common skew is releasing a video of Brian who spoke at SkewCon, and you should watch it. There's some really great funny pieces in there and there's a lot of good teaching moments. So please, please do yourself the favor and watch that video. But Brian, thank you for being with us. Before we wrap this up, we want to take an opportunity for you to ask us any questions that you might have or give your final thoughts. I think the one thing I would love to say is this industry is pretty special and pretty unique. And I think when you work in our industry, you have a window into so many different industries. And there's some really cool industries out there. I love the music business. I love the sports industry. But I will tell you, like, there's no other business I really would rather be in. And I want to thank you guys for, like, I don't think people realize, like, all three of us on this call, we got a lot of things going on. I love that we're all willing to take the time to kind of share knowledge and, and create these relationships and build a platform for other people to share their stories. So there's so many great people in this industry that aren't getting paid. You know what I mean? This isn't their full-time job. This is just something that they do out of passion and love for the industry. So I want to thank you both for contributing to this and what you're doing with Promo Kitchen. And I'd encourage everybody, like, get involved, share your stories. Don't hold everything so tight to the vest. There's enough business out there for everybody. So share your successes, share your failures, and we'll all be better for it. That's really it, man. Thank you guys for having me. And if anyone wants to reach out to me, it's just brian at thumbprint.com. And we can have a 10-minute talk or a 10-hour talk. I'm down for whatever. So thanks. <laughs> I'll take you up. We'll, we'll commiserate over the family business, perils. And Absolutely. Talk to my dad now. I'm in his good graces. So uh, yeah, we can, we can have a family chat now. Yeah, I'm the favorite son. The only son, but I'm still the favorite son as of right now. So we can do that. <laughs> yeah, I've got two sisters. I rarely make the top three. <laughs> uh, I got a sister here with me in the business. So we got, yeah, we got a full house here. So yeah, you have cousins working and your wife working there as well. So you're a true family got, here. Yeah, we got everybody here, man. So yeah, yep. So it's, it's a lot of fun, man. So I really appreciate it. So Thank you guys. And I look forward to contributing in any way I can in the future. You guys just let me know what you need and hopefully I can at least leave something behind for everybody. Fabulous. Thank you. And thank you for being so open. It's voices like yours that kind of help change our industry for the better. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.